Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 84. And we're going to do the Monday for the fourth week of Ordinary Time. Monday, the fourth week of Ordinary Time. So if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. It would be a great help. So let's begin with the act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin and all the angels and saints and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie Elysion, Kyrie Elysion, Kyrie Elysion. Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion. Kyrie Elysion, Kyrie Elysion, Kyrie Elysion. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the church, guardian of families, and terror of demons, pray for us. Saint Peter, Apostle, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. St. John the Apostle, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, pray for us. St. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Jerome, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. John Fisher, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us and defend us from evil. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so now we're in the fourth week of Ordinary Time. We're moving quite along. And, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about the um, the Catholic faith is that we have this rich deposit of the faith. And um, we have the magisterium, which is the teaching office of the church that helps us interpret scripture. I've been reading the catechism lately, as you can tell. We also have all um, the people like St. Athanasius, uh, we have the apostles, we have the Peter, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. John, uh, who received the faith from our Lord and the time that they spent with him and also the Holy Spirit, which guides the church, the magisterium, the church, and all the faithful with sacred scripture and sacred tradition. Now, the sacred tradition is part 
from local traditions, which can change, you know, that is local traditions within the area, culture of, of particular people, and it can change. Now, sacred tradition doesn't change. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us through. Um, it reveals, unveils to us uh, what's already there, like, say, um, a doctrine, a doctrine basically teaching. Dogma, which is affirmed of faith, which is a dogma that must be acknowledged, say, like the Immaculate Conception is a dogma of faith. Um, the two natures of Christ, human and divine, that can't change. It's the, it's part of the faith. Um, these are things that help us, that help us to grow intimately uh, with the faith. We have, like, the sacraments. We have the liturgy. We have the, the most important of all sacraments, which is the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ. All these things help us to grow in our faith. You know, and it's important. Um, so, let's um, look at the entrance. One, one of the Brooklyn sounds. Welcome to the Brooklyn sounds of the my neighborhood. Okay, all right. Entrance antiphon is from Psalm 31. Now to cause the this, this very loud cars cause horns to go off. All right, let's just continue. Um, Psalm 31. As for me, I trust in the Lord. Let me be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have been, you have seen, you have seen my affliction. Isn't that beautiful? As for me, I trust in the Lord. Let me be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have seen my affliction. God sees our sufferings, what we're going through. All right, so let's begin with the first reading. Okay, so first reading is from Isaiah 65, 17 to 21. No longer shall the sound of weeping or the sound of crying be heard. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Lo, I'm about to create a new heavens. I'm about to create a new heavens and new earth. The things of the past shall not be remembered or come to mind. Instead, there shall always be rejoicing and happiness in what I create. For I create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and exult in my people. No longer shall the sound of weeping be heard there or the sound of crying. No longer shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days an old man who does not round out his full lifetime. He dies a mere youth who reaches but a hundred years, and he who fails of a hundred shall be thought accursed. They shall live in the houses they built and eat the fruit of the vineyards they plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's read it one more time. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65 starting from verse 17 to 21. Thus says the Lord, Lo, I'm about to create a new, a new heavens and new earth. 
The things of the past shall not be remembered or come to mind. Instead, they shall always be rejoicing and happiness in what I create. For I create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and exult in my people. No longer shall the sound of weeping be heard there or the sound of crying. No longer shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not round out his full lifetime. He dies a mere youth who reaches but a hundred years and he who fails of a hundred shall be thought accursed. They shall live in the houses they built and eat the fruit of the vineyards they plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. The psalm, our psalm, is going to be Psalm 30. And the response is going to be, I will praise you, Lord, for you have re- you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from another world. You preserved me from among those going down into the pit. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Sing praise to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall weeping enters in, but with the dawn rejoicing. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You change my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Okay, let me read the whole thing straight through. I'll read the response first. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. You preserved me from among those going down into the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall weeping enters, in, but with the dawn rejoicing. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You change my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. All right. The verse before the gospel is from Amos, chapter 5, verse 14. Seek good and not evil so that you may live and the Lord will be with you. Seek good and not evil so that you may live and the Lord will be with you. All right. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4, verse 43 to 54. Go, your son will live. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. At that time, Jesus left Samaria for Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his native place. When he came into Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves had gone to the feast. Then he returned to Cana in Galilee, 
where he had made the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son was ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, who was near death. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, You may go, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and left. While the man was on his way back, his slaves met him and told him that his boy would live. He asked them in he asked them then when he began to recover. They told him the fever left him yesterday about one in the afternoon. The father realized that just at that time Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. He and his whole household came to believe. Now this was the second sign Jesus did when he came into Gal came to Galilee from Judea. Okay, let's read it one more time. We're reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4, verse 43 to 54. At that time, Jesus left Samaria for Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his native place. When he came into Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. And since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they remembered for they themselves had gone to the feast. When he returned to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, now there was a royal official whose son was ill in Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, who was near death. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, You may go, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and left. While the man was on his way back, his slaves met him and told him that his boy would live. He asked them when he began to recover. They told him the fever left him yesterday about one in the afternoon. The father realized that just at that time, Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he and his whole household came to believe. Now, this was the second sign Jesus did when he came to Galilee from Judea. The gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So now that we've read the, uh, all the readings for Monday, what did you notice about Isaiah that caught your attention? Did you notice something familiar about the opening chapter? Well, let me, let me help. I mean, in case some of you are not, I mean, I'm not trying to be a, what do you call a, um, uh, kind of like an instructor, but I'm sure you probably heard these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. Okay, so now I'll go back and I'll read Isaiah and I'll and you'll see. Thus says the Lord, Lo, I'm about to create new heavens and new earth. The things of the past shall not be remembered or come to mind. Instead, there shall always be rejoicing and happiness in what I create. For I create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and exult in my people. No longer shall the sound of weeping be heard, be heard there, or the sound of crying. No longer shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few, uh, who lives but a few days. A little different, but it's very similar. You see the similarity. That was the book of Re uh, Revelation. That's what we call it, Revelation, not Revelations, or. The apocalypse near the end that was in the end of the the book of the apocalypse so you see the the similarity even though it's not part of today's readings but you can see the similarity you can't help but notice a similarity there and the familiarity with scripture uh when you when you get to know it because obviously that was always god's plan to create a new heaven and a new earth through Jesus Christ. And in the end, what it says, the dwelling of God is with men. Well, that already has happened in what we call the incarnation, the word becoming flesh. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, has already, you know, has already, is already the word among us, God in the flesh. All that has already taken place. Now, it's the fact is, I guess it's going to be more incomplete when the new Jerusalem is, is created. The new bride comes to her husband and that is going to be in the, in the, in the mystical body of Christ, in the members who are baptized, who are part of the mystical body of Jesus when the new Jerusalem finally, finally starts to take form. And that's going to be a mystery, but they often say that well, the church herself has to go through a final, a final trial, a final passion. And that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to take shape because it's probably going to be through the final, the final trial is obviously going to be a persecution near to the point of death when and they often say it says in the it often says in the catechism and in, in parts i don't have it with me right now that um when the church finally i guess you can say is 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 persecuted when the mystery of the of the antichrist the antichrist will make its make its appearance and then the church is forced uh, to confront uh, what's like a new cult, a new religion. 
which it doesn't surprise me because I think that's eventually going to happen because human beings have a tendency, like we always say, man, man, man is a religious being. <clears throat> and this new cult eventually will force, will force the church to stand up to defend the gospel that is of her bridegroom. It's, it, it's obvious it's going to happen eventually because human beings have a tendency always to think that they find a solution to man's problems. And that solution eventually, yes, it will be in that, in the, uh, the, a new cult, a new religion, a false gospel. I mean, I hate to say it, but some of the signs are showing in the church today. Some of our leadership seem to be convinced that the gospel of Jesus is just not uh, too much. Uh, they seem to be looking to find a solution in a trend or some new globalism, some new universalism, some new idea of, of man focusing on the material, the flesh, the uh, uh, sex, uh, in nature, in the a nature religion, in a global religion, in universalism, that all religions are the same. It's a, it's a frightening thought. And then here um, we have Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Um, I will extol you, O Lord, for you draw me clear. And did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. You preserved me from among among those going down to the pit. Here it's speaking of the passion. It's speaking of burial. It is definitely, it's, it's definitely speaking of the, the passion and burial of our Lord. Sing praise to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment. A lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall weeping enters in, but with the dawn comes rejoicing. Yeah, that's because the next day we are here our Lord raised uh three days later he's raised from the dead. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me, O Lord, my helper. You change my mourning into dancing, O Lord my God, forever. Will I give you thanks? It's definitely when the apostles found out in th in three days, they saw that there that Jesus is alive. Their mourning turned into rejoicing and dancing. Jesus is alive, and then let's see. We go now to um. Seek good and not evil so that you may live. The Lord will be with you. All right. So here we get something very similar. If you remember the centurion who came to Jesus about his servant. And we have the words of the centurion we say at mass. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word and it shall be, you know, you know, it shall, you know, it shall, you know, it shall be done. Well, this is not the centurion. This is the, the, the John. A lot of people mistake this that this is the same person, the same individual. But if you read carefully, it's a royal official from Herod Antipas. All right. 
Jesus uh, left Samaria uh, for Galilee. By, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his native place. Well, this is obviously, we heard these words before, that a, no, he said this in Galilee in Nazareth when he stood up uh, and he made his, his appearance, he made his um, defense of himself. When he came into Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him since they had seen him, they had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves have gone to the feast. So now his own fellow Galileans know about him. And it doesn't go very well. Um, it doesn't go very well uh, in, you know, in Jerusalem. I mean, he comes back. They want to test him. They want him to perform a miracle. They're not really, it's not really, you know, they don't really have faith. Then he returned to Cana. That didn't go well over there. He went back to Cana in Galilee, where he made the water in, the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son was ill in Capernaum. This is not the Roman soldier. This royal it, it says a royal official. That means he's from Herod Antipas, and he works for Herod. And this this gentleman, this royal official who has a very high rank is taking a big risk. He's he's desperate. He came to Jesus that his son may live. Maybe Herod Antipas knows about it. Maybe Herod Antipas doesn't know about it. But this man is desperate. Now, when he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son who was near death. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, I don't think he meant it against the royal official. I don't think he was attacking the royal official or he was, or he felt the royal official was untrustworthy. I think it's the people around the royal official. It was their eagerness the, to, to put him to the test. I think there might be some Herodians there. It might be some supporters of Herod Antipas there because a Herodian is technically someone who politically supports Herod, just like you have uh, different conservatives. You have, uh, you have different politicians. You have the Democrats who are very, very left-leaning. You have also um, uh, rhino Republicans that are sort of like have one foot in among the Democratic camp and their own foot in their own Republican uh, conservative camp, but they're not really supporters of Christians. They just support themselves. Then you have conservative uh, Christians, uh, Catholics and other Christians who believe, who really hold to conservative values and beliefs. Not everybody's the same. So these, I think what we have here is royal, uh, is Herodians looking for an opportunity in this royal official's misfortune for themselves, for their own personal interests, which is why Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He's not talking to him. I don't believe he's talking directly to him because the royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. You see the, the desperation in his, in his words. Then Jesus said to him, you may go, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and left. 
While the man was on his way back, his slaves met him and told him that his boy would live. He asked him then uh, when he began, he, he asked them when he began to, re to recover. They told him the fever left him yesterday about one in the afternoon. The father realized that just at that time, Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He and his whole household came to believe. Now, this was the second sign Jesus did when he came to Galilee from Judea. It's not the Roman soldier. It's not a centurion. This is not him. This is a totally different one. The situation is very similar. The centurion had a slave whom he loved like a son. This one is a Herodian, a Herodian, a man who works for Herod, a very high-ranking officer or high-ranking high official. Very different, and you can see you you can see it. That's why a lot of people tend to get confused because it has similar theme to it, but it's not. It's it's definitely definitely uh, a very uh, a very different person. And um, definitely it goes to show you that even a person's politics can, um, a person can abandon their politics when they're desperate. When you have someone who loves you, and I don't think this person in any way was a bad person. I think because he worked for Herod didn't make him a bad person. That was his position. But this, this definitely changes things it definitely got people talking and i'm sure it got herod antipas talking and, and 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 maybe it it got you know it got a lot of people in herod's palace really questioning well maybe the, what if this jesus is the messiah herod herod antipas was 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 curious about religion he was one of those people that loves talking about religion, but would never make a move to believe. He was he was curious. He's a spectator, not a believer. There are a lot of people who like that. They 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 love. Um, no, he was more fascinated with Jesus' power than what Jesus is saying, than what Jesus means. And a lot of people are like that. You will bump into a lot of people like that, who will go to witness a miracle but never be able to hear or he what's being said the word of god will never penetrate them they love miracles they love all they can think about it. they think it's a it's it's a magic trick we saw that in herod when he wanted jesus to perform some miracles he did never heard us that's why jesus never spoke to him he never opened um he never opened his mouth and said one single thing to Herod. And Herod was very much angry because Herod, it would never make a difference what you say to Herod. That's why. Remember, Herod killed John the Baptist. He murdered, he had John the Baptist executed. So, in without getting into, like, say, details in the, in, in the two natures of Jesus, Jesus himself was not going to compliment him. It's personal. Herod murdered his, his cousin. Two, he knows Herod never pays attention to what anyone says to him, religi a religious person. He doesn't care. He just wants to be entertained. 
so he's not going to entertain him. He kept quiet. Simple as that. That's the way it is with some people. With some people, you could you could perform a thousand miracles and he will never understand the meaning of them. For, for, for the people, they understood the power because the miracles, the miracle for this man was not, he was not looking for entertainment. He was looking for a solution to his son. He wanted to save his son's life. And he was willing to endanger himself out of desperation. He was willing to put his position in danger. To plead on a part of his son. To endanger his position. To, he was willing to embarrass, you know, he didn't care if he embarrassed himself. He didn't care if everyone was talking. He was desperate. His son was dying. And Jesus was his last resort, his last, last solution, his, his only answer. And just like the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus when her daughter was possessed, just like the man, the head of the, the synagogue, whose little girl was dying and she did die and Jesus rose her from the dead and said the words in Aramaic, Talitha Kumi. Just like the man in the, uh, the possessed man in the synagogue or the man that his son was possessed when after the transfiguration, Jesus came down the mountain with Peter, James and John and the man's son was possessed and his son would throw him into the fire. These people were desperate for their children. They were not looking for entertainment. They were looking for a solution. They were looking to save their, their family. And that's what makes, that's what people have to understand. Miracles are not tricks. They're not parlor tricks. They're not, he's not David Copperfield. He is Jesus Christ. He is the, the savior of the world. And that's what makes it important. We have to remember this. A lot of people don't comprehend this. A lot of people, when they think of Jesus, oh, he performed the trick, uh, the, the wine at Cana. No, that was actually, again, there was also something very important there. The, the, the wedding is a blessing. A wedding is, uh, uh, the, marriage, the marriage feast is not just a marriage. It's not just a regular marriage. It's a, it's a blessing. It mean, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's meaning to it. Those, that couple was important to Mary, his mother. They were very, they were very important couples, you know, um, very important to her. She wanted, she, wanted the bless, she wanted their wedding blessed. This couple was very important to her. We, we know that because his mother came on their behalf interceding. Jesus never performs miracles for the sake of the miracle. There's always a deeper meaning to the miracle. Okay, there's always a deeper meaning for a miracle. Just like going, um, when he went and spoke to the, the, to the Samaritan woman at the well, there was something very important there, very important meaning to it. Just like the, um, um, the multiplying of the, the lobes of fish, the first were five loaves, and then the second was four loaves. The five represent the first five represented uh, with the five with the twelve baskets that came afterward, 
after the five loaves, represented the five books of Moses. The five books of Moses was the bread and word of God to the people of the Old Testament, to the 12 tribes of Israel. The four loaves and the seven, the seven baskets, the four loaves represented the four gospels, and the seven basket represented the seven, the seven sacraments. So you see there's, there's meaning to his miracles. You have to pay attention to them and you have to be familiar with scripture. All right. Um, let's end it here uh, because we um going to move on um, soon to Tuesday. Okay. Uh, let's say the, fa- the Our Father and a Hail Mary and the uh, St. Michael prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Okay, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, God bless, and I'll be back soon with... Tuesday's readings for the fourth week of Ordinary Time. Okay, God bless.